0: Welcome to episode 35 of From the Front Porch, a collection of conversations on books, small business, and life in the South. I'm Annie Jones, owner of The Bookshelf, an independent bookstore in downtown Thomasville, Georgia, and today I'm joined by Chris Jensen, a PhD student in medieval studies and the newest bookshelf staffer, or one of them. We've actually expanded quite a bit since we've last spoken. Um, So we will be interviewing Chris and talking to him about life at The Bookshelf, but before we get started, I wanted to remind all of you to continue to rank and review us on iTunes. Thank you so much to all of our listeners who have already done so. Um, We have really appreciated getting to increase our listener um, listenership, and so if you have not had a chance, please log on to iTunes and rank and review us. Every little bit helps and spreads the word about both the podcast and the, book sh- the bookshelf. So, let's get started. Hi, Chris. Hi. <laughs> um, okay, so Chris and I practiced before we got started, meaning we prepped these questions because we're both introverts and this could get awkward.
1: I really, really just don't like direct questions. I clam up, and it's going to get weird.
0: (laughs) So I promised Chris that I would try to avoid direct questions and that this would be more like a conversation, which is the goal of From the Front Porch anyway. So hopefully that works to our advantage. Um, I do have a kind of direct question, though, because I want you to tell people where you're from and where you grew up and how you wound up um, in nearby Tallahassee.
1: Absolutely. Well, I grew up in Boynton Beach, Florida, which is about 50 miles north of Miami on the East Coast. Um, I went to all 12 years of elementary, middle, and high school there. Okay. And then I went to college in nearby West Palm Beach at Palm Beach Atlantic University, which is a Christian liberal arts college. Um, Close to home, but, you know, 20, 25 minutes away. Okay. Which was far enough away for me (laughs) at the time. Um, After I finished college, I applied for master's programs, and ended up at Florida State.
0: Okay. And that what did you get your master's degree in?
1: My master's degree is also in medieval studies.
0: Okay. Good deal. So you wound up in Tallahassee, and as most listeners know and frequent customers know, the bookshelf in Thomasville is located about 30 minutes outside of Tallahassee, um, but many people, so we have a ton of people in Tallahassee who shop at the bookshelf, but there's also quite a few people who don't know the bookshelf exists, so I'm curious to know kind of how you came to find the bookshelf in Thomasville.
1: When I was a pretty new master's student, I met up with some master's students who had been there for another year, so they were a year ahead of me, and one day we were just talking about things to do, and they were like, oh, have we taken you to Cheesetown yet? And I said, no, what is <laughs> what is Cheesetown? And they're like, oh, well, it's this place north of Tallahassee where there's a store that sells cheese. And I was like, yeah, that sounds great. Let's go there. So that weekend we came up to Thomasville and they took me to Sweetgrass Dairy. Okay. Which affectionately became known as Cheesetown. Okay. Um, we talked about writing a Bruce Springsteen-style song about going to Cheesetown <laughs> or something, but uh, that never happened. Uh, it
0: should. <laughs> so maybe that.
1: maybe once a month we would come to Thomasville and go to Sweetgrass okay. um, at their old location, a little farther down Broad. Yes. And one day we were walking around downtown and saw a bookshelf, a bookshelf, a bookstore Yay. called The Bookshelf, and yes. we were like, hey, we're all English majors, yes. we're all getting degrees about books, and most of my friends are writers as well, so okay. we came inside.
0: Um, we've actually, so on the podcast of probably one of our very first episodes, we, I interviewed CJ Hauser, mm-hmm. who's an author also um, working on her, I believe, PhD at FSU. That's right. And she wrote the book The From Aways, and I loved that book, and she was a great um podcast interview and we had a good time um but that is kind of how you came to interview at the bookshelf correct
1: it is actually um i introduced cj to cheesetown because um, <laughs> she came in a year after i did okay um and i don't know how she got hooked up with you guys it had to do with her book coming out
0: yeah I don't or something know. i have no idea <laughs> i don't either how that
1: worked out um <laughs> But one day toward the end of the spring semester, so like three months ago, we were up here and I knew that she and her boyfriend Todd, who have both done readings I was about here, to
0: say, he's done a reading too.
1: Um, that they were both friendly with you and mm-hmm. knew you. Um, and my roommate asked about a job here. Mm-hmm. And he was planning on maybe staying in Tallahassee for the summer and just needed some work. And then he moved to Cleveland. And then I didn't have a roommate, and I had more bills to pay. And I thought, well, you know, I need a job. (laughs) Um, I know Billy doesn't have that job at the bookshelf. Um, Let me see if I can do that. And I name-dropped CJ in in my email.
0: Good. Wise. Always smart. Always name-drop. I was about to say, just a little tip for people looking for jobs. Name-drop.
1: Name-drop. People that... Yeah, likable people. (laughs) Likeable people that your future employer may be familiar with. Yes.
0: Good tip. Um, So you found the bookshelf, and it's been um, interesting because when you very first emailed, I don't think we had a position open or mm-hmm. something anyway and um as many listeners and customers know our social media guru Sydney left us back in May and when she did it was just a surprise and so I was scrambling and I was on the way back home from Washington DC and I did possibly an unprofessional thing which as I went through my emails and I was like where's that guy <laughs> that was looking for a job and I emailed you from my cell phone and was like can we meet this week like tomorrow <laughs> Um,
1: It was the next day. (laughs) (laughs)
0: So I had just come back from Washington, D.C. And um, not that you and I have known each other long enough to have personal anecdotes, but one of my favorite (laughs) anecdotes is that I walk, well, first of all, Chris and I sat on opposite sides of Grassroots, <laughs> the local coffee shop, um, because I didn't really hint what I looked like, and I didn't know what no, you looked like. I knew
1: what you looked like. Oh, I, okay. I, had, I had spoken to you before. Okay,
0: so you knew me. I didn't know you. Um, so I sat at a different table until I saw, oh, there is a person looking at me from across. Which
1: was only about eight seconds.
0: But still slightly awkward. <laughs> and um, But what was really funny was I had just had an interview with an extrovert, and the, in, the interview lasted a... About two hours, and I do not have very many interview questions. <laughs> like it's pretty basic. I know what I'm looking for, um, and. Chris and I finished talking in about 20 minutes, mm-hmm. <laughs> and I thought, great, this is a good sign. <laughs> um, so, we've already hinted to it quite a bit, um, and this wasn't one of my questions, so I'm sorry, um, but I want to talk about Myers-Briggs yeah, briefly. Yeah, let's do it. Um, so, what type are you?
1: I am an INFJ, which is an introvert, intuitive, feeling judger.
0: That's beautiful. (laughs) Um, as it turns out, most of our staff are INTJs, Uh, INFJs. INFJs. How does that make you feel? Well, it's kind (laughs)
1: of crazy because they say that INFJs only make up about 1% of the world population. Yeah. And I believe that statistic, but I also know that I tend to gravitate toward places that have a high concentration of them, mm-hmm. like English graduate departments and bookstores. Yeah. Because for whatever reason, <laughs> INFJs love bookstores and English departments, and I think it's because INFJs are by nature very um, private, mm-hmm. I think. But they are also really good at reading other people. And what's the safest way to read other people without interacting with people? (laughs) By reading books. That's right. (laughs) By really getting a glimpse into an author's soul and getting to really interact with a bunch of characters who can't ignore you (laughs) and can't hurt you and can't um, interact with you in a way that makes you uncomfortable. Yeah.
0: No, I think that's really accurate because... So, Jordan... um, and I both are really kind of Myers Briggs obsessed, Jordan in particular. But um, I, so I test as an in INTJ, but my T and F are really close. And most of my close friends, like, huge, huge percentage of my friends are INFJs, and um, I think that's because we understand each other fairly well. I When I read, so I'm close enough where I read both descriptions and tried to figure out what I was. Like, was I an INFJ or an INTJ? And I'm definitely an INTJ. Like, that very much rings true for me. Um, I'm a pretty tough-minded person, (laughs) for better or worse. But um, I really feel like I understand the INFJs, and I think INFJs and INTJs are not often understood. That's true. Um, So Jordan likes to point out, because I frequently will get frustrated or irritated or people just drive me nuts, no offense <laughs> listeners and customers um, but people kind of drive me crazy and Jordan is quick to remind me so the INFJ is the rarest type overall and then the INTJ is the rarest female type
1: mm-hmm. and uh, INFJ is the rarest male type so uh, here so, we are
0: so here we are <laughs> <laughs> luckily we have all found our home at the bookshelf um, because I think I have hired um, again for better or worse, mostly INFJs um,
1: I think four out of six of us. Yeah. <laughs> which Four out of six of us are INFJs.
0: <laughs> and again, that's pretty funny um, because it is such a rare type. But I remember interviewing CJ, and she too is an INFJ. Mm-hmm. And you know almost immediately, if you're familiar with Myers-Briggs types, you can kind of um, type people when you meet them. Yep. Um, and I remember meeting her and thinking... Like, I just feel a kinship with INFJs almost immediately, um, which is kind of weird. But I remember thinking, oh, I really like her. I wonder what her personality type is. And then she, like, I like that she knew, because, you know, that means that you are aware of Myers-Briggs and what that is. And we speak the same language.
1: Like, INTJs and INFJs are the only two types whose dominant function is introverted intuition. And I'm breaking it down into really, really difficult (laughs) stuff to understand, so I'm not going to go farther than that. But I think INTJs and INFJs get along so well because they're the only two who, who function with that function. Yeah.
0: <laughs> well, a lot is happening in our heads. A lot is happening
1: <laughs> in our heads at all times, um, and if you can recognize another person who also has a lot going on in their head, mm-hmm. who might be going, might be having similar thoughts, right? It's nice. And I think another reason why INTJs and INFJs get along so well is that INTJs and INFJs both tend to be exasperated by other people pretty often. And I think we recognize that in one another. Yeah. Um, we'll have the same criticisms of people and know when to leave the other person alone.
0: Yes, <laughs> um, which is a really great quality. It's a really...
1: <laughs> it's an intuition yeah. um, where it's like, okay, I'm going to stop talking now yeah. and just walk away. And then in 10 minutes...
0: We'll start again. Start again. Yeah. And
1: nobody's offended by this. No. Um, nobody has to be sensitive about it. It's not that... Not that we're not getting along. It's right. just sometimes people need space. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so, yeah, I think that's very true and I think that's fun when working at the bookstore together because I think INFJs and INTJs at least in my experience with with you all on staff, like we know, okay, she needs a minute or he is going to run the register. Like I there's almost an unspoken rhythm, which I really appreciate and it makes uh, makes working very pleasant. Mm-hmm. Um, For me, anyway. Um, Okay, so now that you have been at the bookshelf for. About two months two months um yeah so i said at the beginning of the podcast somewhat awkwardly that we have expanded our staff which is fantastic so we've added um three new people since may um Catherine arwood does our social media and sterling ivy has come on board as a bookseller and then chris uh, came earlier in the summer and has been with us all summer long um so you've been with us a couple months now so no pressure but mm-hmm. i want to know what your favorite part about working at the bookshelf is
1: Uh, Direct questions. I know, sorry. We were
0: having such a lovely conversation. (laughs) Yeah, and
1: now it's all frozen. Now Um, it's going to be okay. It's going to be fine. (laughs) We're going to recover from this and it won't be weird. Sorry, listeners. Um, I like a lot of things about working at the bookshelf. I like that it's a very easy atmosphere and that my coworkers are people who I really get along with. Yeah. And have a lot in common with, which was crazy to me. My first, like, full day working when I met the rest of the staff, I was like, oh, yeah, these are all people like me. Um, Good. <laughs> I like this. I feel like I belong here. Yeah. Um, so that's been great.
0: Which is nice because I'll interject real quick and say, um, so Chris is based in Tallahassee. So mm-hmm. he drives over about 30 minutes, 45 minutes every day, probably from your side Tallahassee, 45 minutes to an hour every day. Uh, about 45
1: minutes, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um,
0: so, which is really generous of Chris with his time. Um But I was, when I first hired you, only slightly concerned because Thomasville loves their locals, and Tallahassee, to me, is local, Mm -hmm. because that's where I was born and raised, and it's 45, 30 minutes up the road, Um, but uh, I'm not sure Tallahassee is always local to Thomasville. Um, It just depends, I think. Mm -hmm. Um, But I wondered if Thomasville would be quick to have you on board, but I think that they have.
1: I have had such wonderful experiences with the people of Thomasville, um, in my in my bookshelf experience, um, all the people who come in, especially one of my favorite things was selling the Harper Lee book, mm-hmm. um, *Go Set a Watchman*, where every customer who came in was so knowledgeable mm-hmm. about the book and the controversies surrounding it, and we could have a genuine conversation about like our fears and our expectations um, and our disappointments um, yeah. with the publication of that book. Yeah. And I, I I have never experienced anything like that, and I was so impressed. With the good people of Thomasville. Yeah,
0: with that they know what they're reading. They know what
1: they're reading. Which
0: is great because I just, my friend just sent me an article about um, a bookstore, uh, I think it's in Michigan or Minnesota, one of the M states, and they are offering full refunds of Ghost Set a Watchman. Really? Because so many people are buying Ghost Set a Watchman as a sequel or a prequel mm-hmm. and they're coming back into the shop disappointed. And what I really appreciate is, I mean, you know, I guess if a customer came in and really wanted a refund, we would help them with that. But I like that most of our customers have come in and had conversations with us. Mm-hmm. And we've been able, even if they don't buy the book, because to me, it's not really about purchasing the book. Um, that might not be a great business model. But <laughs> but um, to me, it's more about the conversations that you can have around the book. And you're right. I feel like Thomasville, in particular, has been really knowledgeable. Mm-hmm. Um, and about that book, but about other books in general, we have a really well-read customer base
1: yes we do and it impresses me every day um i also like when customers come in and just ask about what i like to read yeah um and we'll look at my staff pick shelf and say like oh well what's good about this mm-hmm. and i get to explain like oh well this might not be for you right um but here's why i liked it and they're generally very receptive and i've Sold a lot of Wendell Berry from my shelf. You guys like Wendell Berry?
0: They do like um, <laughs> Wendell Berry. Talk to me about why you like Wendell Berry. I love
1: Wendell Berry. Um, I was exposed to him my senior year of college by my one of my college mentors, a guy named Tom St. Antoine. He was the director of our honors program. Um, and in our capstone class, and in another class I took with him that same semester called Communication Ethics... Um, he had us read the Wendell Berry novel Jabber Crow mm-hmm. and talk about local economy and um, just the idea of community mm-hmm. and how these people who live together in the same place become so important to each other's lives and important to the land. And it's so important to keep your money where you live mm-hmm. um, so that things can function. Mm-hmm. Um, when you're giving all your money to Amazon.com, then <laughs> then every store on your main street goes out of business and you have no town left. Yeah. You have an empty suburb.
0: And Thomasville, you can tell. So the other cool thing about Thomasville, and I say this as somebody that's been here now a year and a half, and um, even though it's definitely different living here than in Tallahassee. One thing I really like is not only do they read Wendell Berry, mm-hmm. but I feel like they really live out those principles. They
1: really seem to practice the virtues. Yeah. <laughs> of Wendell Berry, this town really cares. And I in a, I mean this in a good way, really cares about itself. Yes. And in sustaining itself.
0: Yeah, they want to shop local. They want to eat local. Mm-hmm. Like, that is all really important to them.
1: And that's one of the draws of Thomasville to me, where even though I'm not... Technically, a part of this community because I don't live here. Mm -hmm. I like to. I like working here and I like eating here and I like spending my money here because it's a kind of place that I. Would like to live, maybe not here exactly. I don't know where I'll end up, but
0: although Thomas University you never know. right up the street. <laughs> <laughs> um,
1: but put a place like this, a place that really cares about itself and about its people and about its businesses.
0: Yeah, absolutely. That's one of the things I really like about Thomasville too, because I don't think you find that everywhere. No, I do think, um, for all of its flaws, I think that is. Um, those are components and elements of Southern living as they are. well. I think so too. Um, the South. Um, like I said, has flaws, but one of the things that I think makes the South so great is they care about their neighbors. They mm-hmm. care about their community. They care about um, eating off the land. Yeah. Um, and you don't find that everywhere. And part of that is because agriculturally you can't find that everywhere. Right. Um, but, <laughs>
1: but the South has plenty of farmland.
0: Yes. And in fact, I just sent in an author um, event request for an author uh, who's written a book about chicken farming. Mm-hmm. Is that the appropriate term for that? I think, I think so. Um, so anyway, so chicken farming. And I, in my proposal, I said, look, this is an area of the country that really cares about this stuff. Um, there are dairy farms and, um, like, there's, so you talked about cheese at Sweetgrass Dairy. But there's yogurt, dreaming cow yogurt. And then there's a big, um, he's made national news, white oak pastures mm-hmm. um, and his, his uh, farm. And so there's all kinds of local... Uh, agricultural economy to support here, uh, which I think is fantastic. So, speaking of local eating and living off the land, uh, when you come to Thomasville and you bring your friends from Tallahassee, where do you go?
1: Our first stop is usually Sweetgrass Dairy. Okay. Um, we love the whole menu there. I think we've eaten collectively everything that they offer.
0: What's your favorite thing?
1: Oh my gosh, um, the pickled pig.
0: What is that? The pickled
1: pig is one of their sandwiches that has like, um, some kind of, of cured meat in okay. it with cheese and I want to say an olive relish and I know I'm probably getting that wrong.
0: That's okay. Um, that we'll m- link to their menu the in the nola. show no. <laughs> oh,
1: yeah. I've had so many of their sandwiches and now I don't remember which one is which but I really like the nola and I really like the pickled pig. The pickled pig has green tomato mm. relish I think and the nola has olive relish. I think those are some of the differences. Very hungry right anyway, now. Anyway, they're great. Go have you had their dairy. double
0: egg? That deviled eggs. Yes. I don't even like deviled eggs. We
1: have because Todd Seabrook, FSU PhD student and author. Is known for his deviled decks.
0: Oh. Like,
1: it's the only thing he really ever makes, but anytime we have a party, he makes deviled eggs. Are they good? They're great.
0: Okay, because I don't like deviled eggs, but I don't sweet either. grass dairy, I could eat those all day long. They're like, great. They're so good. They're
1: really good, and since they moved locations and now have a full bar, their cocktail menu is excellent. Yes. And we really enjoy their bar. <laughs> um, in moderation. Of course. In moderation. <laughs> um, I really love grassroots coffee as well. They also have a great lunch menu. They're now
0: that you work here. You now get that I to work partake.
1: here, I get to partake. <laughs> Those sandwiches are amazing.
0: Yeah, whatever one they were serving last week.
1: Last week they had something that was called Legionnaire. Yeah, that was so um, good. That was porchetta, um, which is a which is a a roasted pork loin stuffed with herbs, um, and it had oh, gosh, it so good. oh what was the green on it? It was. The one that I like that I can't think the name of. Arugula. Yes. It was arugula and um, what they were really cleverly calling a Scarborough aioli, which was parsley, sage, rosemary, and thyme after Scarborough (laughs) fair.
0: Genius. Um, The
1: (laughs) Sam and Garfunkel song made famous by The Graduate.
0: Oh, gosh. Um, So good. Like
1: six times in that movie. Um, And it was all that. on And I want to say provolone cheese on a toasted ciabatta roll. And it was... Maybe the best sandwich I've ever had in my life.
0: You came into the bookshelf raving about it, and I had brought my lunch that day, and I changed my mind, and I was like, "Done. I'm gonna. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go to grassroots." It
1: was incredible. <laughs> we should
0: make this a food podcast from now on. <laughs> I <I'll> didn't do it. <laughs> um, okay, one other question for you. Sorry, it is a direct question, mm-hmm. but I always ask people on the podcast, "What are you reading right now?"
1: Right now, I'm prepping for the course that I'm going to teach at Florida State in the fall. Um, it's. This is a really, I, I have not nailed the title of the class yet. I'm calling it Existential Speculative Fiction, which I know sounds Whoa. really intimidating, <laughs> and it's not. It's just a bunch of, um, it's five its five novels and one, like, companion book. Um, and they're all kind of dystopian worlds. They're all worlds where humans have convinced themselves that they figured it out and then everything has gone wrong.
0: Did you, have you read Station Eleven yet?
1: I haven't yet. Oh my gosh. I know, and I'm really looking forward to it. I'm going through, I might read it this weekend.
0: I'm afraid that I keep raving about it so much that it's just going to be a letdown for people, but. I don't
1: think so. It's
0: so good, that would fit your class very well.
1: So right now I'm trying to reread all of the novels that I'm about to teach in a couple of weeks. Okay. Um, so I'm working my way through Fahrenheit 451 mm-hmm. by Ray Bradbury, which is great, and I've read it at least twice before, um, but it is very slow. Mm-hmm. Where I'm only 60 pages in, and it feels like I've been reading for so long. Yeah. Um, And I really like that book and what happens in it. I just didn't remember it being so... Tedious isn't the right word. It's just all of the language is very dense. Okay. All the language is very poetic, and uh, there's a lot going on in every sentence to the point that nothing plot-wise really happens. Nothing's
0: happening right Mm -hmm. now. Mm -hmm. It's just
1: very pretty. Um, So the other ones I'll be reading for that are Brave New World by Aldous Huxley, Canticle for Leibowitz by Walter Miller Jr., which is something that not enough people have read.
0: I know. What did you say? That was a mouthful. What was that?
1: It's called A Canticle for Leibowitz. Okay. Um, And it's set in this post-apocalyptic world, but you don't know it's post-apocalyptic for the first 20 or 25 pages. You think it's just set in the Middle Ages. Okay. And then you realize that it's actually just a couple hundred years after nuclear war. Oh,
0: interesting. And it's
1: humanity trying to build itself back up from this fallout. Okay. Um, it was written in the 50s during the Cold War.
0: Okay.
1: I think it was published in 1961, I want to say. Um, but it was originally published as three novellas. All right. And then were all collected into this book. So part one is a medieval world, part two is a renaissance world, and part three is a new space age. Oh, oh, that's cool. Mm-hmm. Um, and you see... You know, kind of how humanity builds itself back from annihilation. And then the other two books that I'm going to be teaching are The Handmaid's Tale by Margaret Atwood mm. and Never Let Me Go by Kazuo Ishiguro.
0: Also a mouthful.
1: Also a mouthful. <laughs> um, and that one has a really good film adaptation starring uh, what is her name? She was Daisy in The Great Gatsby.
0: Casey Mulligan?
1: Carrie Mulligan. Carrie Mulligan. I was thinking Carrie Underwood, which is not right. Please
0: no. So we did it all together.
1: <laughs> Carrie Mulligan and Andrew Garfield.
0: Oh, interesting. It's a good
1: cast in a really good movie. And there's there's another famous young British actor.
0: Maybe that needs to be a bookshelf film society.
1: Maybe. It's kind of dark. Well,
0: that's, we about, don't shy away from dark.
1: It's about show. clones who are raised to be organ farms for the people. Who they are cloned from.
0: Well, that's terrifying.
1: Mm-hmm. Um, so they're all living in this like boarding school.
0: Okay. So you're doing lots of light, easy reading.
1: Yeah, exactly.
0: <laughs> Your dreams, I bet, are really vivid right now. Chris keeps a dream journal. I do. <laughs> which I really love hearing about.
1: I've been keeping my dream journal since 2010. Uh, so it's been five years of not nightly, but at, at least once a week.
0: That's impressive. Yeah.
1: Um, entries. And some days, Some weeks, I guess, it is daily. And there are some stretches where it'll go, like, every day for two or three weeks. Like, I remember what it is when I woke up.
0: Yeah, Chris is the resident dream expert. Also, <laughs> he lets us know when certain rhythms and patterns throughout oh, yeah. happen throughout our days. So if we're having conversations, Chris will point out that we've already had that
1: conversation. Not even that we've had that conversation, but like, oh, we've talked about that same thing a lot yeah. in the past week. That's and
0: weird. he clearly, we talk about MBTI, and um, then he is somewhat of a... I won't say I won't say expert cuz I don't think you like that but CS Lewis expert. Oh
1: no I am, actually that's, <laughs> that's the one thing I will claim expertise on I am a CS Lewis scholar As, Exactly <laughs> so
0: very um, it would be very fun to talk to him about those things. Um also, I we don't have a ton of time, but I did want to mention that um Chris is a great books graduate. That's right. So I wanted to just briefly touch on that because I um was a great books honors graduate at my Christian Liberal Arts University, so I think that's a really eerie weird similarity. <laughs> um but I wanted to know if you had to write a thesis for great books.
1: We actually had an oral defense. Oh,
0: interesting.
1: Mm-hmm. Um, So, it was the Frederick M. Supper Honors Program at Palm Beach Atlantic University. That's my shout-out. Shout-out. Thank you for my life. (laughs) Honestly, I would not be the person I am today without it. And I would have saved a lot of money going to a state school, but I would not be who I am. And I really have the Honors Program at PBA to thank for that.
0: Isn't that great? I feel that way about... I mean, I am so grateful for Faulkner University as a whole, but I will sing the praises of that Great Books Mm -hmm. Honors College And I mean, that's Jordan and I both um, went through that program and it completely shaped who we are today. No doubt. Like no doubt about it. And, you know, did I have some student loans? Yeah, I did. But, Mm -hmm. but, (laughs) but worth it for me, worth it. I know it's not worth it for everybody. Yeah.
1: No, I think it was worth it for me too. Now I have not, I have not not been a student (laughs) ever. Um, (laughs) So I'm 25. I'm working with PhD um, but I've never not been a student, so my loans are still in limbo. I don't have to start have paying to pay them back um, until I'm not a student. <laughs> um, so that's good. I've got another few years um, until I have to start paying them back. Um, but our oral defense, um, we had to put together a committee. Okay. Of the director of the honors program, Tom St. Antoine, was always there. He was on everybody's committee.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, but he was usually just observing. Okay. Um, If you chose him, then you would choose one other person. Mm -hmm. If you didn't choose him, he would be there, and you would choose two people. So these are professors.
0: Okay.
1: Um, I put together my committee, and how it works is they sit you down in the Honors Dorm common room, and first they ask you to tell kind of your Honors story, and then they ask you to explain your worldview and defend it using ideas from various books that we had read over the previous four years. And then after that, they ask you some direct questions.
0: Which you love, we know.
1: Which I love. (laughs) Right, no, my favorite one, um, I've got to hand it to my favorite professor of all time, uh, Dr. Bietta Rodewald, asked me just point blank, explain Hegel. (laughs) So I had to think on my feet to try to explain German philosopher GWF Hegel.
0: Plus, if you've done great uh, books, I don't know how long your program was. Ours was two years, four ours semesters.
1: Was four years, eight semesters. Okay,
0: so you've got this huge wealth and depth and breadth of information mm-hmm. and then you have to like go mine through it. Mm-hmm. And that would that to me was the mo- one of the most difficult parts. Our um our thesis, my thesis was written. Um, Mm -hmm. and I did have to defend it orally, but not like that. That actually sounds really interesting. And
1: it was great. Was your time? Um, explaining it to somebody in academia years later, they said like, Oh, that sounds kind of touchy feely, but I really don't think it was.
0: No, especially if you're graduating college, it actually gave you a chance to figure out kind of who you were. That's exactly right. Um,
1: it gives you, it forces you to articulate, what you think what you believe and right why. before
0: you're about to enter a way bigger world than exactly. a small christian liberal arts college. exactly
1: so coming into graduate school knowing exactly who i am what i think what i believe and why i believe it yeah. was such a boon yeah um we also had to pull from we had to have at least one book from every semester of honors okay um so that's different time periods like we had the world of polis and covenant was our first class so that's the world of the ancient Greeks, and the Old Testament. Mm -hmm. Um, So we had to pull one book from that, and one book from the world of Caesar and Christ, and one from the world of Christendom and Islam, and one from the world of humanism and reform, and one from the world of reason and revolt, and one from the world of despair and hope.
0: Your professors are so proud right now.
1: I hope so. (laughs) Um, I hope so. That's really my only goal in life, is to make them proud.
0: Oh, (laughs) that's so nice. (laughs) Um, Well, and I I guess I would gather, based on talking to you, that that... Maybe influenced you wanting to be a professor.
1: Absolutely. Okay. Um, graduating high school and going into college, I did not know what I wanted to do. I thought I wanted to be a filmmaker. Okay. I'm um, to be a director because I am very creative and I have my hand in all sorts of creative things. Like I've been in bands and I've written songs and I've painted and I've written, and I've I've made films and I love all of those things. I just like creating. Um, and I really thought like film is the medium that kind of has it all. Mm-hmm. You write and people perform, and it's it's visual, it's auditory, it's everything. Um, it's the theater condensed sort of with more things. But then when I got there and I did a semester of film studies, and I was on set like every night until four in the morning, then I realized like this is not for me. <laughs> I don't I don't like this. But I was taking. Um, Writing about literature, which is the honors version of freshman composition with Dr. Kathleen Anderson. Um, And within a couple weeks, I realized, oh, I am good at writing, and I like writing, and I like reading books. I think I want to be an English major. (laughs) Um, And within a semester of that, I thought, hey, you know what? I have been resistant to teaching my whole life because so many people in my family are teachers. But I think I could be good at teaching, and I really want to be able to give students the same experience that I had and be able to give them those opportunities to learn and grow Um, and so here I am getting my PhD so I can teach at the university level and be like hopefully these people that mean so much to me
0: well, Chris, I think that's a wonderful place to end. So, thank you so much for joining us on the podcast. Maybe for we will having me. have you back. Um, you can catch full episodes of the From the Front Porch at com, and on iTunes, you can also follow us on Instagram and Twitter at bookshelftville. Thanks for listening and we'll see you next week.